So like I said, today we are continuing and concluding this series on, on titled Away in a Manger. As you've been looking at the Christmas story from all these different angles, we've been looking at, at the different, different characters of, of the, the, uh, the nativity scene, right? And their different roles in the, um, the, each of the aspects of our uh, Advent wreath and candles and uh, of, of hope and joy and peace and love. And, and tonight we conclude with looking at Christ, right? The Christ candle, right? the gift of Jesus. And, and tonight we're going to focus on the wise men, the ones that, again, we haven't looked at yet. And um, again, all the past messages are available online if you want to go back and catch up on those and to hear those, you're, those, you're welcome to do that. Um, but uh, tonight we are going to look at Matthew chapter 1. This is um, Again, one of the gospel accounts of the Christmas story. So um, if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to, to, to the gospel of Matthew. Um, if you're here with us in person and don't have your own Bible, um, there are Bibles provided you in the seats that you're welcome to grab and to use. And you'll notice is the page numbers included on the outline there where you can find this in those Bibles. Um, if you're with us online, you can grab your Bible uh, and follow along as well. But I want to start with Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. And we see here in this, this opening verse of the Gospel of Matthew, it says that this is a record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. And we see here that we start literally with Abraham, who is where God created the, the first covenant, right, with Abraham, um, and, and, and as forecasting, right, that they would be God's first people, and he was the father of, of nations, and and then through, we see this list of leaders, right, that, that God worked through this family line. And, and partway through these lists of names is, is David. He's, a, again, in a direct line from Abraham. And then from David, we get, continue on through these other names and, and to where we end up with Joseph. And we looked at Joseph last Sunday. Right, see, again, he's the line of David, and that was one of the big, big prophecies of the Messiah, was that he would be the line of David. And we see, again, as, we see, as Matthew establishes this, and then he goes into to Joseph's story at the end of chapter 1. And then we end up um, at chapter 2, and that is where, um, where we learn about the Magi. But before we look at their story, I just want to say, just realize exactly what Matthew says here, right? He notice he says, this is the record of ancestors of Jesus, who is the Messiah. Or other translations, like King James says, Jesus the Christ. And when we look at, at this description of Jesus, this is, again, this is the most foundational statement about who Jesus is, right? That, that he is divine divinely sent by God, right? He is 100% God that, that put on flesh and, and is alive on earth as a human. And, and literally this word Christ or Messiah, right, is, is, is defined as, as the anointed one of God. Right? The one who was sent on a mission and, and again, God's the Father sent his son to earth and that's what we celebrate at Christmas in the Christ child is that, that God you know, his presence is among us is as a human. And he was sent on a mission. And that Messiah was on a mission. And that mission was to, to save the world. To save us as humans. Because God knew, right, that we can't save ourselves. 
right? That we have sin in our lives, and we're fallen, we are distanced from God because of that sin, and, and yet we were created for a relationship with our Creator. The Christ, the Messiah, again, was, was foreshadowed hundreds of years, you know, before he was born on that first Christmas. We looked at that in very week one of this series, right? We looked at Isaiah and all these different prophecies that we see that, that foretell the coming of the Messiah. And there were all kinds of signs about the Messiah. There was, there was these prophecies and, and this hope and all of these things coming in. And then, then Jesus was born, right? And, and Jesus chose Mary and Joseph. And you look at that and, and, and all, the story, we all are familiar with the story. And then we have, um, again, this interaction between Jesus and these magi. And their story is found in Matthew chapter 2. So, Again, flip a page over or so from where we just looked. And, and as we continue in the story of Matthew, I want to pick up here Matthew chapter 2, um, starting at verse 1. Where it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. You can just leave your Bible open. We're going to kind of go back, bounce back into the text a couple times today. But I want to pause there after these first two verses because, um, again, right before this, right, we, this Jesus is born, right, and, and they travel to Bethlehem. Jesus is born, and they, they, have, they have no room for the inn, and, and they end up in, a, in a, the stable and, and the manger and the shepherds and kind of all that we know happens. And then we are introduced here um, to these, these magi. These wise men from the east. Now, unlike our nativity scenes depict, they were not there on the night that Jesus was born. In fact, as we continue to read the text, there's some clues, right, of the timeline as to where they were. But the reality is they were not there, okay, that night. Um, they, were, they showed up quite a while later, actually. And one of the reasons for that is because they were not close. As it says, they, they were from the east, right? And, and again, the, the text doesn't tell us um, exactly how far they came. Okay, but we know it was a long ways. Okay, we also don't know how many magi there were, right? We, we traditionally think there are three because they brought, there are three gifts described, right? So we just assume that, but notice it doesn't say, right, how many there are. Okay, there's, again, the things about that we don't know. We also don't know how long it took them to get to Jerusalem. Because, again, the text just simply doesn't tell us. But as we know, the reality is that they, you know, for sure, they were not at the manger the night that Jesus was born. But this is what we do know. And we learn from even these first few verses, we learn quite a few things about these magi. The, the, the first thing that we know is that these magi were on a life-changing journey. They, they were on a life-changing journey. They... They, they saw something, right, in the star. In fact, they were astrologers. I mean, they were just kind of doing what they always do, right? They were just going through their life, and, and they noticed something, right? And they saw the star, and, and, and they decided, right, that they had go, were going to go on this journey, that it was worth seeing it for themselves, whatever caused this. In fact, we, we see in, in verse 2, right, that they say um, specifically that they knew they were looking for the newborn king of the Jews. And so we know that they were, they were 
wise men, right? They were educated. They had done some research, right? They had, had seen this star, and, and they, they'd read some of the prophecies, or they, they, they'd researched to figure out, hey, this star is over Jerusalem. What's significant about Jerusalem? Right? These were not Jewish men. Hey, they didn't know the tradition or the hope that was there, right, of the coming Messiah. And yet they had researched it some themselves, enough to know that they were looking for the newborn king of the Jews. As they, and then they, they said, right, they, they said, nope, we, um, we, we were shocked at what we saw. But enough to research, enough to, to travel on this lifelong journey. Again, we... we See, as they tell us, right, they saw a star as it rose. And so we know that their journey started when God got their attention. Right, God got there, like I said, they were just kind of going through their normal life, right? They were, they were researching the stars, they were, they were reading the philosophy and the history and all these different things, and, and then they noticed something different, right? And God got their attention. And he said, there's something significant about what we're seeing. We need to figure out what that is. And they were going about their normal life until they noticed something different, something special, something that they could not ignore. You know, when you think about that, we can all identify, can't we? I mean, because God gets our attention in lots of different ways. You know, sometimes it's the smile and the person in the store. Right? Or it's, it's the, the verse that pops up on the radio or that we see somewhere that at just the right moment that we need it. You know, maybe it's, it's hearing that you've been prayed for in some of your deepest, darkest times of life. Right? It's the hand on your shoulder when you, you need somebody with you. Right? God gets our attention in all kinds of ways. And we can identify with the wise men in this time, right? This journey they were on, it started when God got their attention. And they said, there's something about this that we can't ignore. And again, I don't know how God's gotten your attention in the past, but I'm glad you're here. Right? Even the fact you're here means that God's gotten your attention somehow. And again, God gets our attention, and there's those moments where we feel like, hey, i got to find out more. Right, and that's exactly where these guys were. They, they, they started when God got their attention, but then as they started to research or to learn or ask around, right, and, and with that then their curiosity turned into action. Like we can't ignore this, right? We, we need to go, right? In fact, we, we learn about this, this newborn foretold king of the Jews who was born in Jerusalem. We, we, we need to do something about what we've seen about what we've figured out about what got our attention we have to find out more again they they turned into action they they learned about the foretold messiah but and not only that but then it went another step right to where they say no now we need to go find the foretold messiah right now did they learn about him but then they they literally moved to action they left, right? and they started this journey. Now, again, travel was not something that we think of today for them. Right? It's not like they just jumped on the internet, grabbed a quick ticket, you know, Ubered to the airport, and then found out their flight's canceled. Now, you know, I mean, we all understand that, right? 
Right? I mean, these guys, I mean, traveling at this time was a big deal. Right? And again, we don't know how far they came, but for them, it was likely, a, I mean, a life-altering decision, right? To say, no, we have to go. Right? And their curiosity turned into action. And then we see um, just in the next, right, as these verses tell us that, that they now got to Jerusalem and they were kind of at a dead end. Right? Okay, we got this far and we're not really sure where to go next. And so, again, they come to King Herod. I mean, if they're looking for the new king, well, they just went to the existing king. Right? And said, well, he could probably tell us. Right? So they go to the king, right? And, and they sought help when they didn't know what to do next. Right? And they sought help. They went to King, to king Herod and said, hey, we're, this is what we're looking for. Can you help us? Right? Can you get us to the next step? Again, they were looking for the king of the Jews, and so, you know, reason would say, well, probably the existing king would already would know something, right? So that's where they went. And, and to say, then they had this interaction with King Herod. So we're going to pick up the story in verse 3. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, he says, So King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a message of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him Again, we're going to pause there, right? We see this next kind of phase of the story of, you know, where, where Herod didn't really know about this foretold king, but he called in people that did, right? Now, now again, we, we like to think, right, that the Christmas story is all, everybody's so excited about the Christ child being born. The reality is Herod had a very different motivation. Right? In fact, think about, you know, the, the reigning king, right? Their biggest worry, right, is being overthrown by the next one, <laughs> right? And as, as he learns, right, from the wise man that, hey, there's this foretold king. Uh, he was supposed to be born. Can you help us, right? Herod, as the text tells us, was very disturbed at this news. Well, why would he be disturbed? Why shouldn't he be happy with everybody else? No, he's disturbed because he was threatened. Right? Well, I'm the king. If there's a new one born that I don't know about, this might be dangerous. Right? In fact, Herod was quite simply protecting himself. Right? He was protecting his position, his power, and his title. He was threatened by the idea that the true king of the Jews would eventually overthrow him. And yet he calls in the religious leaders of the time, those that had studied and said, hey, I need to know where this, this new king, this Messiah was supposed to be born. And again, they quote two um, Old Testament passages in here, right, out of Micah 5 and 2 Samuel 5, as they say, well, the Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem. And so he calls in the wise men, right? And he says, okay, uh, I know where you need to go. You need to go to Bethlehem. That's where he's supposed to be. Um, and I also need you to tell me exactly when you saw that star. 
right? Now, Herod presents a ruse to them, right? He tells them, I need to know, and I need you to find him, come back and tell me, right, so that I can go worship him too. Well, uh, we learn later in the text what Herod's true intentions were, right? His, his true intentions were not to worship Jesus at all. In fact, his intentions were to take care of this threat to his position in whatever means possible. Right? And, and again, Herod was, was protecting himself. And so they sought help, right? And then they, they moved on, right? And so the, the, the wise men said, okay, we got the information we need. And so with the more information, they continued on their journey. And yet in this moment, though, we see in the text that God steps in to help them. They already got some help, right, from somebody who really didn't know, right, and who was just didn't want, want Jesus to live, and so uh, sent them on. And then now, this time, as they move on from Herod, and they, they start travel from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, and it's not a long journey. Okay, I've been there. Okay, I went to the Holy Land. Okay, Bethlehem's not very far from Jerusalem, and it's actually all downhill, right? So that this was an easy route from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And yet, um, Bethlehem was still a town, right? They're, they weren't sure exactly where to go. How are we going to find one baby in this town? Well, we see in verses 9 and 10 that God helps them. It says, after this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, and it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Right, as we see, as this journey continues to progress, now God's presence is with them, right? And is literally guiding them with this same star that first got their attention. And they acknowledge God's presence and God's provision. Right? And, and they exp express and experience a joy like they had never known before. Right? As God is active in their lives. For the first time in the text, right, they have God's presence with them. And then this journey concludes, right? This journey, this life-changing journey that they started on leads them straight to Jesus. Right? And they find the Christ child. And as, again, by God's Work, right, leading through this entire journey, right? They end up right in front of Jesus. Okay, we see this in, in the next two verses, verses 11 and 12. It says, then they entered the house. Notice they're in a house now. Right, it says they entered the house and they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasure chest and gave him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, there's some pretty significant things, again, that they do here when they finally find Jesus, right? They, they're on this, this life-changing journey. This journey leads them straight to Jesus, and they end up in front of Jesus, and there are some very significant actions that they take. Okay, the first action they take when they finally find Jesus is they bow down. Okay, and this is, against the bottom of them surrendering themselves to God. 
Right? They find the Christ child, and, and, and again, this fully divine, fully human Messiah that was foretold, and they bow down and they surrendered themselves to him. Right? Again, bowing is, is, a, is a physical sign right, of, of surrender. And they bowed down to him. Right? The next thing they did is they worshiped Christ. And, and the way you, when you worship something, it means that you put them first, right? You, you give them the highest worth in your life, right? You give the glory to whatever you're worshiping. And we can, you can worship all kinds of things. Hey, but scripture tells us to only worship God, right? That God is supposed to be first in our lives, right? And that's exactly what they do. They worship Again, there's lots of ways to worship. I mean, we can worship through singing. You worship through, through studying God's word. You can worship through prayer, through fellowship, right? There's, there, in fact, um, anything that brings God glory, that puts God first, is an act of worship. Hey, I, that I first surrender myself to God, and then, then I worship him, right? I put him first. In fact, that's the greatest commandment that Jesus tells us, right? To love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the greatest commandment. If you go back to the Ten Commandments, it's, it's the first one, right? Worship only God. Don't have any other gods in your life. Right? And so they surrendered themselves to God, and they worshiped God. They put God first. And then the next thing they did is they gave God their gifts. Right? And, and they, in doing that, they offered the best of what they had, and they gave it for God's use. They took the best of what they had. Again, these were not, you know, those cheesy gifts you get at Christmas, right? This was not socks and underwear. Right? I mean, these were really good gifts. Very valuable gifts. Right? Gifts fit for royalty. Right? They gave the best they had for God's use. And then the fourth thing that they did, right, is they, they went... By, went home by another route, right? They were obedient to God's directions. Notice, we even moved from just God guiding the star for them. Now they got a dream, right? They heard straight from God, right? After they, they found Jesus and they, 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 they took these significant actions, right? Of surrendering to God, uh, of worshiping him, uh, of giving him the best of what they had for his use. And, and now they are hearing from God directly, Right? And they are obedient to what God told them to do. And that was, don't go back to Herod. He does not have good intentions. Right? And they went by another route. Right? We see, again, this life-changing journey that these magi went on. And they, they ended up at, at the feet of Jesus. And then they, they did these very significant actions. And, and as we look at these, this journey that they were on, we look at the actions that they took when they found Jesus. Hey, I want to ask you this question tonight. Have you made your way to Jesus? Have you gone on the life-changing journey of finding Jesus in your life? Has God gotten your attention? Has that curiosity moved to action? But you're here. Right? And if you end up at the feet of Jesus, these, these things that we see the Magi do is exactly the actions that you will take to join the journey of faith. Right? To invite Christ into your life, to receive him as your savior, to be forgiven of your sins, to feel loved by God in a way you've never felt before, right? to, to, to 
to receive his Holy Spirit, right, as you open your heart and mind to him, as you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, right, that you first surrender yourself to God, invite him in your life, then you put him first, and then you offer him everything you have for his use, right, and you're obedient to God's leading from that point on, from joining the journey of faith, saying, now I'm on a new journey, right, I'm going to join that journey of faith, and I'm on a new journey to glorify God, not myself. As these actions are how you, you receive Christ your Savior, right, these same actions are what it takes to stay in the journey. Right, as you start to, to learn more about who God is, you end up over and over again at the feet of Jesus and surrender whatever it is that God's trying to mold out of your life. Right, and you, then you put him first where he wasn't first and offer God what you have for his use and be obedient to his directions. Right, these same actions are how you join the journey of faith and finding Christ as your Savior for the first time. And these same actions are what it takes to stay in the journey every day, to be transformed by God's Spirit, right? to be led by God in a way that you can't even explain, and to be transformed to be more like Him every day. Right? And as we journey forward in our faith, right, that's our goal, is to be more like Christ tomorrow than I am today. But as we think about this, again, we can identify with the wise men in lots of different ways. You know, as as you think about that, I want to show you this just short depiction of one of these wise men um, and their description of their experience with the Christ child. Great light shines best in great darkness. That is a lesson we learned as we traveled many miles in the darkness of night. And I know, I know, nighttime is the most dangerous time to travel. However, there's a great degree of difficulty in following a star in the daylight. (laughs) Uh, We were looking for royalty, but we had no idea what we were going to find. eh? I've been in the outer courts of princes and kings, noisy assemblages these, hangers-on on every corner, quarters of favor, making endless rackets, scheming, chattering, everyone wanting an audience with nobility. And none of that here. No, no, no. Here, silence. Lingering, calm, awestruck silence. Here, a newborn, wrapped in cloths and lying in a feeding trough. There were two milk goats standing silently behind him. Chickens pecked on the ground. An exhausted woman and a humble man. And outside, shepherds. Shepherds timidly watching, and all are silent. We dare not say a word. We bow down. We worship. And we gently lay our gifts on the ground. I've spent the bulk of my days searching for the truth of it all. 
trying to make sense of this life. But that search, it was different. That time, while we were searching, we were also being led, not, not merely by a star, but by the hand of Almighty God. He led us. He led us to the one in whom all truth rests. He led us to a child, a baby, a king. As he said, he said, we were looking for royalty, but we had no idea what we were going to find. We were searching, but we were also being led. Not only being led by a star, but by the hand of Almighty God. And he led us to the one in whom all truth rests. He led us to a child, a baby, a king. Messiah. I tell you, God has the same desire for you, is to lead you to your king, to lead you to the Messiah. God loves you more than you can imagine. He sent his son to save you. Again, this child grew up to live us in this life to die on a cross, step in your place to pay for your sins. And he didn't just die, he also rose again through the resurrection. The most incredible miracle in history. And God has brought you on a journey in your life. Has he gotten your attention? Has he moved you to action? Right, God is calling you to the feet of Jesus. And what will be your response at the feet of Jesus? Will you surrender your life to him? Maybe for the first time tonight. Receive him as your savior. Will you surrender whatever's holding you back from God? Will you put God first, offer him everything you have, and be obedient from this moment on? I hope so. Again, I don't know where, what your faith journey looks like. I don't know what's brought you here tonight, but... I hope that you leave here with the Spirit of God. But I, I want to conclude today by reading you one of the most incredible descriptions of the Messiah in all of Scripture. It's in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Can you follow along or just, just close your eyes and listen to this description of our Messiah? In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. And God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and, in, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light, so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light, he was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. 
He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That's what we're here to celebrate tonight. And as we conclude our service, we're going to end with just a representation of the light that Christ brings in our lives. And so, um, again, you got a candle when you came in. Okay, and as we conclude our service, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to light my candle off the Christ candle, and I'm going to get it to a couple and, and represent, right, the, the light of Christ in our, in our life. And when you receive that light, right, just like we receive the gift of Christ, I want you to pass it on, just as it says, pass it on to the one next to you. Right, and we're going to watch the light spread throughout the room. And, and as we do that, right, we're going to sing, and as, a, as a, that comes out, and, and then once, you know, the light shine, we'll, we'll sing together, and I'll come back up, and, and I will pray to conclude our service. But before we do that, I want to give you my final thought, and that is this. Because Jesus is the Christ, we can find love, hope, peace, and joy in our lives. Have you surrendered your life to the one true king and accepted the most incredible gift ever offered? Again, I don't know where you're at in your faith journey today. Maybe you've never received Christ as your Savior, but you can do that tonight. Open the best gift you'll ever open. Okay, and invite Jesus into your life. If you've already done that, again, will you continue to open that gift every day, right, as you grow in your faith and, re- and be transformed by God's Spirit? So let's stand together as we sing the song and as we celebrate the incredible gift of the Christ child and the light that he brings into our life. Lord God, we thank you so much. God, for the light that you bring into our lives. Lord, there's a lot to celebrate. Lord, the number one reason, God, to celebrate is your presence, your love, your joy your peace, your hope. God, we praise you for the incredible gift of the Christ child. And Lord, as we go from here, God, may we take your light with us. Lord, into everything that we face in our lives. Lord, everywhere we go, that we will live our faith Lord, we will shine your light because this world is so full of darkness. And God, we commit, Lord, to be your hands and feet, to take your love and your peace and your joy and your hope and take you, Lord, into every area of our lives and every area of this world as we share the incredible truth of the gospel. Thank you for saving us. Lord, thank you for transforming us to be more like you every day. Thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.